welcome to the Politically Asian Podcast. You know, it's just two Asian American buds talking about politics in hopes that we inspire more Asians to talk about politics. Today is April 26th, and we are coming to you live from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, my name is Jerry Lim. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me across the internet at Jerryaki and my co-host... Hi, I'm Aaron Yin. My pronouns are he, him, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Aaron Flaren, A-A-R-O-N-F-L-A-R-I-N. If you are listening on your phone, please take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram at Politically Asian Podcast. A few people did that for the first time, and I am riding the high for the next three days. <laughs> Woohoo! Also, if you like the podcast uh, and you know uh, are listening on an Apple device or have iTunes, please give us a written review on Apple Podcasts. We have one review right now, which is a 100% increase from last time, uh, which is great. If you don't like the podcast, please also give us a review because ultimately we are just here for the engagement. Yup. Yeah, so today we'll be talking about ICE and um, Asian American deportation. But before that, Aaron, how was your week? Uh, it was good. I went picketing for the first time in front of East Bank in Chinatown yesterday. Ooh, um, okay. For those who don't know, picketing, it's... It's like a mini version of a protest, you know, so when I think protest, I think, you know, big one time thing, lots of people you're trying to make yeah. a point, right? Picketing is the like the opposite, you know, typically you might have anywhere between 15 to 30 people and you're mm. just there and it's all about consistency over time. It's like a long term relationship oh, type thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you normally stand at the place of, you know, at the owner's, I guess, house ish or like their property. Right? <laughs> or their so business. Why, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's why we were standing in front of East Bank, which is owned by Jonathan and Alex Chu. Um, I don't know if you know. So when you go to Chinatown, there's that big temple looking building like right next to the queue. It's it's the only big Chinese temple looking building. It's huge. Oh, yes. Tall. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. bank. I didn't know that was East Bank. I, it is East I don't bank. love that. Yeah, I don't either. I, don't that. <laughs> I got confused between you made it this the Ching Chong Bank. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, I I actually went to the wrong because it's confusing because there's a bank called East West Bank. Oh my God! Why did they do bank that? Called East Bank. Yeah. So I actually went to the wrong one at first, and I'm like, oh, it's actually this bank, and whoa, it's this building. What? Crazy. Anyways, um, it was cool. There were two main groups: the National Mobilization Against Sweatshops and Mass, and also the Chinese Staff and Workers Association. Both cool groups can talk about them endlessly, but they are great. But anyways, the part I actually wanted to talk to you more about is, you know, we are comedians and I also did flyering for the first time, which is just handing out flyers, you know, in English and Chinese to tell people oh, about cool. the picket. Like the picket was like a block away and I was just on the nearby corner being like, hey, take this. This is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and it is so much like doing, you know, like stand up in that you're trying to just pitch <laughs> a lot of potential angles you know you see uh -huh. like the chinese grown-ups i'm like oh it's like oh you uncle. pitched in chinese so you had a pigeon chinese or like keep it really simple i was just saying like which means like uh you know help restaurant help restaurant <laughs> like auntie help restaurant uncle and they're like what and then you kind of or when you see like there are so many you know so many gen z millennial agents it's like drinking mm. boba because there's that canal street market it's like oh you like boba you'll love jing fong hey this is going on you know just yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. pitch the angles and i will say because i know jing fong was trying to be turned into like or you know the chews are trying to build new hotels and bring tourists right the mm -hmm. least the people who took my flyers the least were like gen z millennial and the general i guess gen x white people 
Oh, is what I would say, right? Like, <laughs> like I literally, <laughs> cool. I think in terms of flight, it's like you know there are black people who took them. They were Latina women who were like uh, in a more grown up side, you know, like I would say mm-hmm. the side. But like what? So many just white, you know, anywhere from like eighteen to like thirty five. That general population of white people just did not give a single just fuck. I'm not even joking. Like literally, like you try pitching so hard, you know, like this is you know, the crowd. It's like you wear tucked in shirts, you know, high waisted, loose yeah, yeah. jeans, fitting jeans, tote bags, shoulder bags. Right. I feel like the only way I would have been able to get them interested in Jing Fong is if I told them it was like a vintage thrift store. Right. Like, I mean, I, in a way it is. It kind of, in a way yeah. it is. <laughs> There's just no like, yeah. It's like if if they heard about that, you're like, what? Give me a flyer. But yeah, yeah. That was a summary of yesterday, which was so exciting and so fun, and I definitely want to do it at least one more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How was? Uh, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. I'm. I yeah. It sounds. Um, for people who don't know anything about stand up, there's something similar called barking, which is yeah, where you like yeah. stand. You like pass out flyers to get people to come to your show or a show, and then you get time on that show. Um, and this sounds like a way better use of time. Um, picketing and handing out flyers. Yeah, that's really interesting, man. Um, I think barkers would actually be great flyer people. I mean, I don't I think there's probably an overlap, right? But mm-hmm. it's so I used to be so scared of barking or annoyed by it. But now I'm like, yeah. this is at least when you make it more political and flyer based, it's pretty fun. Oh, okay. Did you <laughs> like, did you see anyone like take your flyer and like throw it away immediately after? Uh I saw one person do that. It was actually mm. a, a Chinese <laughs> lady like she was like very old though i just kind of like did a lot and then yeah but a lot of people in that neighborhood are just you know buying groceries and trying to speed through sometimes so i'm like it happens but overall like the amount of chinese flyers flyers i hand out in general is great and i hand out Mm -hmm. like so many of the chinese ones and i'm like i'm not too concerned about the small people like small majority who might or minority who might have like thrown it away asap i see yeah it's cool you can you can also speak chinese because that's i think that's useful it's very um, useful, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah cool. uh, anyways, how was your week? Yeah, dude. Um, I've ventured like back into Columbia or Columbia, um, into Manhattan for the first time <laughs> in, in a month to go to Columbia because I was oh, taking okay. I was taking grad photos for someone. Yeah. Oh um, fun. Yeah. It was my first venture into Manhattan since like March. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah like m- mid March. And it's because like an Asian person got t- attacked near my neighborhood in Brooklyn. So I was just like, okay, I guess nowhere is safe. So mm. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go into Manhattan because I guess it doesn't really matter at this point. <laughs> so that that was, as, yeah, that was as exciting as it got for me. <laughs> how how did it feel going back to Manhattan? It was so good. I mean, like I was in, I was in um, over at Columbia, so like the Upper West Side, plus like all the college kids, and then like um we got i got boba i've had boba in so long and i know i sound like you know like a an asian american hardcore right now but like i've had boba in so long i've had to make my own boba that's that's like how bad it is yeah um so you know they might they might need you during that boba shortage i heard that wasn't true i heard that wasn't even true true? yeah like i heard it was like a lie manufactured by the boba guy. Don't don't quote by me on big that, boba. But like, by big boba, yeah. <laughs> the big boba industry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah, so yeah. funny. Big boba. Oh my god. Uh yeah. the industry. Um and Columbia, so are there are a lot of Columbia students still on campus? Yes. Thought, yeah. 
Yeah, um, the students were actually allowed to stay on campus this year. I don't know how they like oh, decided that. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how they decided that, but I do know all the international kids decided to stay home in <laughs> their respective Asian countries because they were like, Taiwan is handling this way better. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. got it. Oh yeah, so I guess they got an I guess in real life graduation ceremony as well. So no Zoom graduation uh, at maybe? Columbia or the international yeah, at Columbia. Students. No, they still have a Zoom graduation. Although, oh. they, yeah, they still have a Zoom graduation. Oh, it's very I see, strange. I see. Yeah. Um, there's like a tent set up on campus where like you can walk through and like take pictures with like a cardboard cutout of the the president, not like president of the U.S., but like president of Colombia. A cardboard. Um, but like, it's just it's just like like how much you went into debt for this like i don't know yeah, i don't know it's, it's like a concert or something a bts concert of the, <laughs> the cutouts of jimin or something stop oh my <laughs> so, god yeah. okay very fun very fun okay. first in manhattan yeah. columbia nice yeah so um that's gonna be our segue into talking about a very serious topic um uh we're gonna be talking about like i said earlier asians getting deported you know like asians and ice and like one reason we're doing this episode is um it doesn't feel like it gets much attention on like the southeast asian front um i feel like the mainstream media you know politicians tend to focus on uh latina people and side note we're using latina because it's a gender neutral gender neutral term that can be applied to um, other words in verbal Spanish and a credit to Terry Blas for introducing that term to us. But um, yeah, Aaron, any thoughts on general overview thoughts on deportations of Asians? Definitely. Um, when I think it was three years ago, I went to a DACA protest in Arkansas. And, you know, I was similarly eh, similarly surprised to hear you know, there were actually Asian Americans, you know, and Asian people involved in this too, right? Mm -hmm. um, I had no idea just based on media coverage, and I only heard more about it through like the protests at Arkansas. But uh, there's a lot of surprise at like, oh, this this is one part that like involves Asian people that I think mm -hmm. can get them interested in the cause that like I just did not hear as much about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I feel like, I feel like when it does come to DACA, um, and like undocumented students and or undocumented people really and um, uh, deportations and Asians we it primarily is in Southeast Asians and um, primarily that can be broken up into like three 3.5 ish or four groups um, the Vietnamese and then Cambodians Laotians and the Hmong the Hmong uh, refugees and uh, they've all seen a, a huge spike in in um, deportations uh, especially Cambodians for some reason I don't I couldn't find the reason why but they had a 279 percent rise in deportations which is like pretty scary um, a lot of these people are refugees um, and uh, yeah so um, you know, kind of going into like why these people decide to immigrate or immigrate illegally, quote unquote, illegally. Um, I think, well, actually, you know, like I think we should reframe it as like unauthorized immigrants. I know that doesn't sound mm. like much better, but like, <laughs> you know, there's always that question of like, who's illegal on stolen land, you know? Yeah. Um, but like illegal immigrants, just it sounds like a slur at this point. So like, we'll just say unauthorized. <laughs> it, sounds, it does sound very Republican. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> very um, Republican. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, uh, it's pretty wild because like it, this all this episode could be entirely summed up. I don't know about your research, but my research was basically like, yeah, the Vietnam War. 
period. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so this war like fucked up the region, you know, it took the lives of nearly like four million people. And then like after America withdrew, they just kind of left the the like the place in like a mess. So like, you know, they used Agent Orange, which was like that chemical to like kill all the trees so the Viet Cong couldn't like shoot them from the trees. Um and then there are I I didn't know this, but like there are a ton of landmines just like hanging out in the ground. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's um yeah, I, I can't even like imagine like just how scary that must be. And uh yeah, they come over for like obviously economic opportunity, but like I didn't realize just like how vast of a gap that was. Vietnam, for example, their average monthly salary is like around $148, while the US, uh, the average monthly salary is around 3000 So like that's mm. that's like pretty wild. And uh, yeah, the, the, the legal immigration process is like really, 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 really long and like just a mess. First, the US puts a numerical limit on like how many refugees can come over and then like weirdly you have to prove that you are a refugee I, I feel like there are like varying like i don't i don't like what is how do you prove that you are a refugee enough you know what i mean yeah like, was there was there any detail on <laughs> you, do you have to say something like a certain no sentence? no I, I i couldn't i literally couldn't find anything i was like how do i prove i'm a refugee like i couldn't mm -hmm. i couldn't even google it um yeah maybe because if you put it on google then everyone would i don't i don't know what the <laughs> what the basis for that is um another way to come into the country is like employment based so like if you're like a highly skilled worker like you know everyone hears that story about like oh you know like back home i was a doctor you know, many people from these countries are not going to be doctors or engineers because like, yeah. who can afford to do that? And uh, yeah, so it's it's also very expensive for companies who are trying to like take immigrant doctors. Like it's very expensive to sponsor their visas and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah. My, my dad went through that kind of situation. He was he got his first job in Oklahoma at some... Mm -hmm like engineering place for buildings and they mm -hmm. they didn't pay him a lot but they also took money from his salary to help with the whole legalization fee so from his own money but i think the hardest part was just that he couldn't switch jobs like he was literally stuck yeah. there because yeah. after you start the process with one place you can't hop to somewhere else even if the work conditions are kind of bad or like he didn't like the workplace you know all that stuff <laughs> you're just kind of planted in oklahoma for a while it's like well fuck me you know <laughs> like, yeah no yeah yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah uh, go ahead no, no, no. I that's so funny because like um it's a really similar situation with with a lot of my family members, um but like on the doctor side, um oh. so I did your dad do like the J one. This is gonna get real technical, but did your dad do like the J one visa waiver? Like that's I think that's what it might have been called. Maybe okay. I would have to ask him again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what happens is if you if you are one of these skilled people, this is kind of going on a tangent, but like. If you are like a doctor or an engineer um, and the U.S. does accept you, you you have to go to like literally a shitty part of America. Like they call it underserved, but like it's it's like a shitty part of America where there are no no people of color. Like that's basically what it is. Um, mm -hmm. And back when my parents first immigrated, um, they, it used to be like three years. You only have to live in a place for three years and serve that area. Um, but now it's five and up the immigrant grapevine i heard they're trying to make it seven or something like that um interesting yeah. <laughs> might as well make it eight at this point you know <laughs> right <lucky> numbers. <laughs> 
do you have anything else you want to say about yeah i mean like i there also there's also like this thing about the green card which it was a pain in the ass learning the difference between visa green card and and like passport or not passports citizenship which i guess is passport but i i learned that to get a green card which is like a different form is like a t a seven months to ten years um and then like i think about this one story i i saw on like twitter and like this girl was like telling like talking about like how um her parents like immigrated here with like not like through through the back so like uh, not unauthorized um but they did apply for citizenship i think and then like this this like dad had like a whole family lived a full life and then died before he got like approved and it's not like he died young he died at like a pretty like he lived a pretty full life and then he died before he could get get his citizenship which i think is like mm, i don't know yeah I don't know, you know? yeah just the legal process yeah legal process is also very slow in america which yeah. makes sense a lot of a lot of tape okay so tell me what happens when <laughs> when like i'm waiting for my paperwork and like the cops come or something yeah so um i was looking into this week i was looking into you know two main things one what's the ice process after you get arrested and then two it's in general like what is biden doing about all this stuff right at the moment so the first thing is just when you get arrested by ice you either may be put into this thing called an expedited removal Ooh. you can't really be appealed by a judge and you're pretty much uh you know expedited removal is just they're trying to get you out asap right but it only right. happens if you're arrested within 100 miles of a u.s border and oh. if you and if you've gotten here within two weeks or less right oh, so it depends on okay. the recency right i think a big thing that we can talk about this episode is like long term versus short term mm -hmm. yeah because they're definitely trying to get everyone short term right now they're like rejecting them especially near the, the you know the 100 miles near the border right yeah um fast, but yeah fast. so that's that's the expedited version and if you are not on the fast yeah the fast basically the fast pass out of america then what happens is you tra uh, transfer to the immigrant detention center which the you know biden administration is calling the family residential center which stop um, really so much more pg than well yeah <laughs> it's part of the whole rebranding you know just yeah uh, yeah politer words but literally the same you know cage place yeah those are the migrant right? camps like we hear about we yeah hear about, like, yeah okay, okay the names are changing a lot you know i wouldn't be surprised if it was just called you know family home in two years or something oh you know, my family God. residential center already sounds <laughs> so friendly right like yeah that's uh very yeah um but what happens after that is just you typically have to determine whether you qualify for a bond uh, and a bond for people who don't know is just like you pay a certain amount of money and you cannot be held in a place. You can just kind of live, mm -hmm. live somewhere else, but you still have to show up for your hearings. That's like the whole, sure. it's like, it's like a promise that's like forged by money. I pay you oh, a certain okay. amount and I will get that money back if I show up to every single hearing. So it does oh, give they you get a the money bit. back. Yeah. If, uh, if you do all of your like dealings yeah Stuff. but i mean yeah. there's separate okay. issues with that i was reading this one article essentially that ice is currently holding uh i think as, as of even last year 204 million dollars in bond money that immigrants have not gotten back yet there's a huge oh. backlog and miss you know management of what's happening you know with this bond money right ideally mm -hmm. we just get it back so that's they're holding a lot so moving on to what 
Biden is the status of what Biden's doing. So the short summary is Biden's attention is really focused on a lot of children who have been arriving at the southern border with Mexico. Okay. Um, and give you some numbers, it's nearly 19,000 19, unaccompanied children, you know, entered the U.S. border custody in March. Mm -hmm. So all, all the articles have just been talking about how there's historic highs, etc. Biden's not trying to fast track and expedite children back. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but these are these are Latina people, right? These yeah. are not. Okay. Okay. MX, yeah. MX. So Biden's attention is essentially focused a lot on that. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he's actually opening more centers just because there's more children coming through. This is, this is only talking about children, right? So for adults, right, there have also been a lot of single adults taken into custody, which the Biden administration is just trying to also expel to Mexico or other home countries, mm -hmm. which is pretty much what Trump did. So they're literally only focusing on children. Like they cannot, they're like, we won't reject the children, but we will reject the single adults and we may not reject, you know, parents and children together. Oh, okay. So like they'll keep families together. Yeah, there's some. Yeah. Okay. It's it's, it's just like Yay. you know, yes on children, maybe on families, no on single adults. <laughs> that's okay. I those see. Those are like your three categories. Mm. Uh, in essence, that's Biden's attention is on that, and I guess the problem that is not getting attention is uh, deportations of a lot of Southeast. You know, Asian Americans who have been in America for a long time, we're talking mm -hmm. like 15, 20 years, yeah. who are um, also being deported because of crimes they did a very, very long time ago. And crimes is not, I don't even think is the right term for this. Um, they could have like a very small drug possession or even mm -hmm. stuff like peeing in public, right? Is oh my like, God. so the issue is that. There, there were a lot of bills passed in the 90s that like heavily criminalized stuff that immigrants did. It made it more and more serious than what it was. And so anyone with a prior record could be a target for, you know, ICE. And Biden really just has not done anything about this. I only found I found a lot of stories through something called a group called CREC, the Southeast Asia Resource Action Center. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, they've been publishing lots and lots of stories. But the the summary is just that yeah, a lot of uh, immigrants could be deported for you know public urination, filing a false tax return, possessing like ten grams of marijuana, right? When when they when they were kids, yeah, uh, when they first came to America, right. So and this like, was before this was before TurboTax. So yeah, like I TurboTax, you know like anyone, <laughs> yeah, and this could be anyone <laughs> exactly. And like before anything, right? Even like weed right now is being decriminalized still in some states in like the past five years, right? The past five years, yeah. there's still some states that are still decriminal uh, decriminalizing and it's pretty much legal only in like 10 states right now. Like, But yeah, for example, right? One story of this family who was coming from Kim uh, Vietnam, uh, his brother was first detained at a check-in and then he got an order for deportation for a crime of breaking three windows at a bar. Oh my God. There were other ones where, you know, as teenagers, sisters whose parents were Cambodian refugees who fled from the Khmer Rouge and mm -hmm. uh, as teenagers, they had some involvement with like drug possession, right? I don't yeah. know. It could be like weed, right? Like who, like it's so vague, right? Mm -hmm. But what happened was that, you know, she got arrested. And then because of this, it's um, that that record puts uh, her at, you know, risk for being deported under, you know, these current laws. 
her in. Oh, wait. So, like, she did that as a teenager, but, like, she could be, like, a 40-year-old now. And, like, I she shows up. She is a 40-year-old. Ex- okay, yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm saying, right? I so, shows up at her door and, like, okay, you know yeah. the crime you committed, like, 30 years ago? It's time to, you know, yeah, pay up. so a lot of the stuff under ICE is they've really heightened their ability to even draw on prior convictions, right? So mm. that's, that's the, it's, like, literally a lot of the stories that I've been reading about are, you know, immigrants who are now in their, like, 40s, 50s, right? They've been in America for like 30 years. Yeah. And they did something as teenagers when they first, you know, arrived in America. You know, it's very like jarring to all of a sudden hear like extremely old record being brought again. I thought the window example was so, you know, shocking, right? Like three broken windows at a bar was crazy. Yeah. Um, And the only legislation that's really happening right now that was in 2019 is called the New Way Forward first introduced by Jesus Garcia, but it's just trying to negate what's happening right now, like stop using their prior records and stuff and stop, you know, heightening the criminalization of records that uh, immigrants did from a long, long time ago. Yeah. Um, So does that protect them now or is I mean, the problem with this act is like it's stalled right now. Oh my god. And that's okay. that's what everyone's trying to get Biden to focus more on, right? It's like I see. this this is something that is very different than what's happening. So it's like Biden's attention, right? Is focused on the very immediate, like, okay, there's stuff happening at the border of like UX and Mexico, mm-hmm. obviously. And you know, this this stuff that's like causing a lot of uh, Southeast Asian immigrants to be deported after years and years and years of being, you know, in America is like just I don't know when it will be considered. Right? So just two very different circumstances, right? That's the whole short term, long term. Um, that's why I was so curious about that. Um, I think you mentioned a while, you know, earlier today, it was like um, a lot of Cambodians were now also being deported, right? Yes. I found some stuff that was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, so not Cambodians, actually. was wrong. So one thing I did find that was interesting that I guess is the reason for why certain Southeast Asian groups are being deported, specifically Laotian and Hmong refugees, is that these countries, uh, Laos in particular, is having this thing called a reintegration program. Okay. So it's like where they take Laotian, uh, I guess, people from who are uh, anywhere else besides Laos, right? And sure, they train them in the language and get them jobs there. And so the U.S. has been using that as, I guess, an excuse or a reason to deport a lot of Laotian oh, among so that's like the Southeast Asian there's the, a lot of the home countries have like these programs right but America is using it as like almost like a forceful way to deport people right wait yes okay I know we're jumping several several leaps but um I I also saw that and then like I I dug around a little and apparently a lot of like immigration organizers actually worked with like southeast asian governments and they were like hey don't repatriate these deported refugees like j- just like don't um yeah. and the the governments actually agreed they were like you know what fuck yeah like fuck you uh, fuck imperialism like mm. we're we're not going to accept these you know like these deportees yeah but the trump administration was like well if you don't accept these deportees we're gonna impose sanctions on you guys and like oh stop, interesting yeah stop like you know you guys getting from like getting supplies of any kind and no it's a pandemic um so yeah i thought that that's super interesting that they not only like went a 180 but now they have like these repatriation programs yeah yeah no i think that ties in perfectly right i think i mean the idea of a repatriation program in general, like, 
I mean, if it's voluntary, I'm like, you know, do whatever you want, right? Yeah, like, sure. You know, like, I, like we, we always talk about yourself. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Di- undiaspora. You know, it's, <laughs> you take the diaspora element and you just like control Z, right? That's yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. what you do. Yeah, like go back, learn the language, do the job there, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I think the problem is that it's just being, it's essentially being forced on a lot of people right now. And the stories that you read from uh, the March fifteenth uh, or seventeenth, you know, deportation is that a lot of people being deported, ha- uh, they don't, you know, speak Vietnamese. They haven't been to Vietnam in forever, so it's, it's, you're essentially being thrust into a new place, yeah, no. outside of your own will because of this. Yeah, I can't. I can't even imagine. Like, I don't even. I know it's like not even close. Like, but like, I hate. I don't love going home to like Alabama, and I'm sure I don't know how you feel about going home to Arkansas but like if it's any if it's like a thousand times worse than that like I can't even imagine I cannot even begin to imagine like how how awful that is you know yeah no definitely definitely um yeah I think adding on to in the whole program thing uh there is a term that Sirak was talking about is just the school to prison to deportation pipeline school to prison prison to deportation yeah so the examples that CRAC lists are often you know when you are fleeing from war or Khmer Rouge etc right yeah. you often come to, you're in America very traumatized PTSD no mental health resources mm-hmm. right and so that often leads to what we mentioned earlier it's like maybe you get in more fights or maybe you know you only have a single parent and you start you know getting into like drug possession stuff right sure. yeah so it kind of leads to like there, there's nothing at school to, oh yeah what they're saying is like there's nothing at school to help you right there's environmentally yeah. okay. there's nothing you know you start doing other stuff prison right and then that record comes back mm. many years later in the deportation segment so that's like the phase that they're talking about um i see yeah because you know a lot of these countries like southeast asians like u.s you know u.s imperialism literally is the reason they end up here and i think one thing just want to mention it's like was reading about laos in particular who's uh-huh. you know this is definitely not talked about a lot it's they are the like the u.s dropped says two million bombs on the country carried out by the cia as part of a conflict called the secret war which makes Laos the most heavily bombed nation per capita in history, which what? I did not know about. Right. Whoa. I feel like this is something that's literally like one sentence in your U.S. history book that's glazed over. Right. I'm like, yeah. The secret war. Yeah. Lao, Hmong and other Laotian ethnic groups fled Southeast Asian Asian countries after a nine year bombing by the U.S. during the Laotian Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, man, I don't know about you, um, how you felt about like researching or like this, this preparing for this pod. But like, let me just say, like, this was definitely an eye opener. Technically, I am Southeast Asian because I come from the Philippines, but like, or at least my family comes from the Philippines. But like, this was just like such an eye opener for me because like, it's like all we hear about is like, oh, East Asians, media representation, you know, like we're just trying to be on TV. And then like, there's like this whole other group of like Asian people that are like, yeah like our countries are bom- were bombed like war torn and like yeah you know like just and you know fighting for immigration rights and like all that stuff and like i'll get into that later but like this was just such an eye-opening like yeah for sure i mean i don't need to read more about the secret war but i was just yeah i was just like wow like <laughs> this is a very big thing yeah that obviously it makes i mean I, we heard about the Vietnam War, because do white people, lo- you know, do tie back yeah. into the last episode, white people fucking love talking about the Vietnam War. Like that's, yeah. that's all they know, right? 
Do like, they? Because they lost that. They, they lost, lost I mean, that one. <laughs> it's like in their memory, right? It's just like that's, yeah, that's yeah. a sting or like pride, whatever, right? Like they mm-hmm. talk about it a lot. We got fucking Forrest Gump, the whole movie that like oh, yeah. based on that, right? It's, yeah. it's, it, it's in American culture, like to talk about the Vietnam War um, or white American culture to talk about yeah. the Vietnam War. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For the sake of time, let's move on. What yeah. did you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like all that stuff's important because, you know, wrapping it back up where we're like um, the government recently passed the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act. It was it, it got like a good chunk of bipartisan support. I think it was like 93 to one. I want to know who that one person was. I just want to talk. But wasn't that wasn't that Josh Hawley? Pretty sure it was Josh. Josh Hawley was the one vote for the House, or on one vote. It was. Was he one of the ones who was like, "Oh, yeah, no, he's like, the only no bill on." He was the only no on the hate crimes bill. <laughs> yikes! He and Ted Cruz were the only ones to downplay the insurrection. Oh my and god! Support Trump's, you know, victory still, and mm-hmm. you know, not want to charge the, all everyone going on on January sixth. But I'm not surprised. Is sorry, this okay. is a summary, but yeah, yeah, go on. Well, Well, I'm surprised it's not too, but okay, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I, it was pretty, it's pretty hard. This was like the first time I've ever like sat down and like read a bill, bill, you know? It felt like a lot of the other links were full of fluff. So I sat down and actually read like the one on the the Gov website. Um, I hated doing this in Model UN and nothing has changed. Still hate (laughs) it. But um, so this this bill was put forth by Grace Meng from Queens. Oh, nice. I like Grace. Yeah. 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 And Senator Maisie Hirono from Hawaii. So uh, on the surface, you know, it sounds like, oh, oh, okay. And one thing that's cool is like the Department of Justice has to like find someone, one person to review these hate crimes. And they have like seven days to do it so by the time this podcast episode airs they have to they have to had picked someone <laughs> um so we will yeah. update next week <laughs> with who they picked and then uh another thing is like they're like oh we're trying to enc- encourage more reporting in multiple languages and i was like for at first my head was like oh like maybe to like the stop aapi thing and i was like or sorry stop aapi hate <laughs> um i was like oh maybe they're talking about reporting to that no, they're talking about reporting to the cops. And so that means these law enforcement branches get funding and grants. Um, so the cops get more money. Um, and that said, the cops have to provide a report on like what they do with that money. But like, yeah, it's always a little questionable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we're just now starting to use the whole body. I mean, the past three, four years is the whole body camera release yeah. tapes of that kind of documentation right it's yeah yeah and then like just other other notes throughout the bill this bill is actually only good for a year unless like the attorney general is like no we should extend it but like Mm. other than that this bill has declared covid over by next year um (laughs) i'm sure the hate crimes will go down (laughs) it's like i'm i'm sure you know u.s u.s and asian tensions will be okay after that no Mm, (laughs) no. we'll see It has uh, not. It has been getting worse every yeah. day since we've been alive. <laughs> every day, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, like my last note is just like they cited the women killed in the Atlanta shootings, which was like nice, but also like I don't know, like yay political change, but also like painful political pawns. You know what yeah, I mean? Or, yeah, like, exactly. Political pieces, yeah. like it's just yeah. 
Yeah. And then I know we're a little like on time, but I don't know. Like it's it's just like we have this hate crimes act, but then we also like this episode was like primarily on deporting people. And it's just like two sides of the same coin of how America treats Asian people. Right. Like we're like, oh, like hate crimes bad. But then like if if like the government itself is like doing like the shitty things, then like, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we we count all the hate crimes except for the one where we're deporting Asian people. Oh, right, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're, exactly. we're we're the ones that, that are doing it. Yeah, um, <laughs> they just they list a whole bunch of crimes, like a huge section. You know, it's like harassment, assault, blah 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 blah. And there's a little mm-hmm. asterisk, you know, except deportations, <laughs> which is the only thing they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I will say one uh, kind of going back to like what I said earlier about like oh East Asians like so different and that's coming from me who looks like an east asian but like this issue with deportations one major roadblock that like i read that like southeast asian scholars cited was east asian americans because like it's it's like largely ignored by like chinese japanese korean americans yeah Um, but like organizers have otherwise worked with like south asians muslim black organizers like latina organizers and like everyone but like east asians <laughs> yeah i wonder i mean in history i guess korea has had involvement with the u.s like war wise right sure china you mean like like we're, had a war on their soil because like, yeah I was they had like, a war on their soil yeah yeah that, that's a better way to put it yeah Okay, because I was like, well, um, Japan got bombed. And yeah, Japan. The- yeah, you know, I mean, I was gonna make you say Japan next, right? It's like I'm surprised. I imagine like like Korea and Japan, or like Korean and Japanese people might be more supportive based on like past history with America. Like Chinese people, mm-hmm. I can like we haven't like what last big thing was like World War Two when we were supposedly we were on the same side, but obviously things have changed a lot in the past uh, eighty years um right i mean cold war came after that right yeah but there's never been something like directly on chinese soil oh on soil so i guess i get why like within east asians like i can see why chinese people would not have as much stake in this because like there's not as much of like a you know his like Mm -hmm. common history forged through being victims of u.s imperialism on like soil level (laughs) right soil level yeah okay so did the thing that you read break down east which east asians were better or worse yeah oh yeah specifically chinese Jap- japanese and koreans like that's that oh but but they didn't rank the them one. in terms of best or worst no 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 they didn't, oh, okay. <laughs> they yeah, didn't I, I imagine like i mean i'm just saying <laughs> as a chinese person i think i you know, i would imagine chinese people being the least i may pay the least attention to this mm-hmm. yeah i mean speaking of hate crimes we are going to move on to the what we call essentially the police update section of the podcast yeah. the police response update because we are always focused in new york city on the asian hate crimes task force and always want to provide updates about like what's happening how do we feel about mm-hmm. this force is it good or bad um the summary of what's happening is uh called slaps on the wrist for people committing hate crimes <laughs> That's what it slaps on the wrist for hate crime committers. Okay, so just keep that in mind. And when I say that, I mean, these undercover cops on the Asian Hate Crimes Task Force have arrested three or four people since the inception of this whole undercover plan. Mm -hmm. And each they've all been released. They've been released with no uh, no bail. Okay, it's like they still have to show up to court. They're still charged with stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't have to pay money to get out. They're just like, all right, we charge you with this. You're free to go. Come back. 
in like one or two months or three months when we start this whole trial thing, right? So it's such a long yeah. process, right? But to me, it's like when you put zero bail and you release them quickly, it's like how serious, like, oh, yeah. it was because oh, yeah. of New-, New York City law, actually, New York State law, new rules that uh, the state exempts a tax that caused no en- injury from bail. Huh? Because these undercover cops were arresting oh, people when they okay, said, like, right, right. I'm going to stab you, right? But there was no actual stabbing involved. There's a lot of verbal threat, right? And when someone just makes that verbal threat, the most you can do is charge them with that kind of harassment or aggravated harassment. But there's, yeah, it's... I'm stressed. Okay, so, like, what yeah. if they go out and, like, murder an Asian person in that time? Okay. Yeah, I guess my question is just that, obviously, you're doing these arrests. They're still being charged, right? Is mm-hmm. But... Is this like essentially it feels like intimidation, right? And oh, I guess yeah. my question is like, is it working? I don't know. We have no numbers that show whether it works or not. The only huge number we have is the amount of hate crimes that have happened in New York City, uh, you know, since last year and this year. And that number has gone past 100% like as of like February, March. Yeah. So we have no base metric for like how to tell how bad this is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was um, one in California that was also, I guess the one I want to hear your thoughts about quickly is, uh, a year ago, there was an uh, elderly grandpa who got essentially just basically kicked in the face by a 24-year-old, and this person had been diverted, which means instead of being prosecuted for this crime at all, he was just returned home and is given mental health treatment. Oh, um, okay. He did have to. He did have to wait seven months in jail to get this diversion, mm-hmm. but uh, this is definitely where there's a conflict where like the family wanted some sort of like justice or labeling of a hate crime or something mm-hmm. and nothing happened like it, it was it happened this whole diversion thing i guess there was also a language access barrier problem so oh right he there wasn't even a trial for it the guy didn't show yeah there was, so that's also, it's a kind of it feels a little like what happened yeah i don't have <laughs> i don't have the answer i know i i okay so the guy the guy got sent home and they were like, here are some mental health resources, right? Yeah, I'm seeing it says Ramos Hernandez got diverted. Uh, he's getting mental health treatment. And if he does them all satisfactorily, then he has no charges. They'll all be dropped. Okay. Essentially did nothing. Right. Um, so with the George Floyd case, one analysis or like thing that like people were saying that like I really like was like okay that's really useful to like (laughs) digest I guess was like this like idea that like okay like jails you know like that's not the answer um abolition is still end game but but you know George Floyd's this is what George Floyd's family wanted for Pete and like that's that's like their piece and like that's what matters the most so like taking that my response to this would be like well my the the what that family feels like is justice is like my priority and like i do think mental health resources were definitely a step in the right direction but i don't i i feel like we are not at a place where like mental health resources are getting the same funding as cops and like you know all these like and jails so like i i'm willing to bet that those mental health resources were not even like yeah i mean bodied you know what no I mean? yeah exactly right um so I agree, in, yeah yeah in another world yes that okay like yes but like in this timeline right now uh it's not enough <laughs> yeah yeah i think a lot of the anger from the family actually comes from the fact that 
there was very little communication. Like the DA's office reached out to the, to the grandpa who was kicked. Mm-hmm. His grandpa speaks like no English. And they literally just had no idea there wasn't even really a trial until the trial date. Jesus. So it just came as a huge shock, right? Like yeah. you go in there and you're like, wait, where is the, you know, where is the other guy? And what do you mean? He's not even here. <laughs> wait, what happened? And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Sucks. Um the other thing is just the NYPD has a hate crimes review panel formed from five members of the community who have to review whether a you know incident is actually a hate crime or not. So they're yeah. just gonna get more community response, but we will uh touch base on that in future weeks yeah and so that concludes our police response update and you know kind of moving over to community solutions as per usual we always recommend checking out our previous ones that we've mentioned you know safe walks cafe maddie cab heart of dinner welcome to china chinatown so on and so forth and today i wanted to talk about don't call the police.com it is a fantastic website and you can look it up by um by the city you're in and they will give you resources based on like what whatever you need so if you need like you need to find someone in housing services especially for new york city this is a very like long long list you can get you know you can contact organizations that are for housing lgbtq plus mental health domestic violence um so on and so forth and they even have alternatives for like in in places like alaska so you know it's a pretty thorough list um when you can even find uh cop replacements in alaska (laughs) oh yeah that's true yeah yeah no the only one i had was i guess we talked about was don't call the police.com i was looking into their new york city specific resources for crime and Mm -hmm. what they have there is like a multilingual hotline where you can just talk to people and you get like counseling therapy and also like help with the legal and financial the only downside is there was a bullet point that was like this has some association with the NYPD which is always like well what's the (laughs) like damn um which you know I wanted to mention because I think one thing that I saw today was like Diane Morales came out with this thing that was the uh CFRD community funded response yes department Mm -hmm. right which was it's kind of like the same thing, you know, resources for, I guess right now it's homelessness, mental health crises and substance abuse, but it's like mm-hmm. there's a department that's completely non attached with the police. And so I, I thought that was nice just because, you know, when we say like defund the police, it's like defund the police, put it into a program that essentially, you know, it's like also like a hotline service, but just is like in a separate government department, right? It's also like government related. It's just a separate department. That's like not the big police department. (laughs) It's all still under the big New York state city government stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. This is all that we have today. We are always trying to keep our shows within, you know, the hour. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And again, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at politically Asian podcast on Twitter at politic Asian pod. Or if you, you know, really like us, you can email us at politicallyasianpodcast at gmail.com. So far, I'm only reading spam, so any real person would be great. Uh, if you really, really want to help us out, again, please leave a written, written Apple review. 
with words, uh, with words. and that will help out so so much. They don't even um, have to be like sensical words. You could just type in literally like all your favorite words, and we'll take that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just type in your top favorite. That could also help out with SEO. Just type in Asian podcast. Good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Five stars. Great. Uh, but yeah, that's been this episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.